Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 507 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer tell us about their gig at the Met Studio at the Stafford Gatehouse. And we'll be having a little treat with their music as well. We'll be finding out about the movie Snarl. We'll be finding out what they're allowed to tell us about the movie Snarl as we catch up with the director, the director of photography and one of the actors in the production. We will also be hearing from Quinton Wilson... He's going to be talking about young driver training. We'll also be finding out about Mitch Fest, a fantastic event honouring a fantastic man looking back at the life of Mitch Bastable and raising funds for charity in his name. And we'll be hearing from the team at The Haven about funds which are being donated by the former workers of Goodyear from their charity pot of cash. But first of all... The Girl on the Train stops at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 18th through to the 23rd of March with Rachel Watson played by Sam Womack who joins me on the line now. How are you doing? You okay? Good, I'm very well, thank you. So uh, what is going on in the world of Miss Womack at the moment then? Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm in head of Rachel Watson at the moment which is a dark and gloomy place to be. I, it's, it's, yeah, I mean last time round we saw you at the Grand, it was that at the Adams family I think, wasn't it? So it's something of a different take on, on the world to that. Well, so, yeah, so Morticia Adams is dark and gloomy, but in a kind of glamorous way. Rachel Watson is definitely not glamorous. You know, she's she's a broken woman, really, and so I spend most of my time on the stage drinking neat vodka, or pretending to. Mm -hmm. She's It's just a very dark... I mean, anyone that read the book, um, the Paula Hawkins novel, will remember it's just a very, very dark, twisted thriller, and um, it's, it's, it's quite... Yeah, it's quite a tough, it's a tough role to play, but I love her. I love the fact that she's badly behaved. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've not read the book, but I have seen the film. And is, is the book something that you had read and have you seen the film as well? Or, or how did you approach this when you were preparing? Yeah, I'd, I'd read the book quite a while ago um, and lots of my friends had read the book. And they a lot of women really took to the character Rachel Watson. I mean, it was a great thriller about a woman who can't have children and her, she watches her marriage fall apart and she has these kind of, memory lapses black holes in her memory and she loses her job and um starts riding around uh, the trains and becomes obsessed with a family that she sees through the railway tracks into their back garden and uh, then the woman disappears and it, it turns out that she was actually near the scene of the murder but she has problems with her memory so she's having to try and kind of find out what happened and whether she was involved as she thinks she was and through that she finds out what happened to her and her own marriage and it's 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 really scary, and you and you don't really know. Even if you read the book, I, a lot of people come seeing the play and forgetting who'd done it. So mm -hmm. um, the audience are loving it. How do you bring a train to the stage? Because I, as I recall from the film, there are a lot of train journeys, and, and in a book or a film, that's quite easy to do. But on stage, not so easy. Well, so we've got a very clever um, director called Anthony Banks, and he designed the whole thing. So it's quite abstract, quite minimalist. But he's got this kind of train that flies in with perspex windows and I stand behind it and then the uh, projector kind of shoots moving images very fast across the um, front of the train and so you can see all of the kind of land and houses and gardens moving past very quickly on it's very clever and stylistically it's just it's it's a very simple design so it feels quite theatrical so yeah it's, it's really really good good fun show to do. And, and what's it like the with the uh, the fake vodka every night? Uh, uh, do you get fake hangovers as well? Well, the funny thing is, is that you do because you're playing, you know, unhinged and a bit drunk. You do, you almost have a kind of, yeah, it's like a kind of phantom drunkness, really. Because by the end of the show, you just feel a little bit reckless. It takes me about half an hour to kind of come <laughs> down. And I just have to, try, you know, try very carefully not to go straight into the nearest pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone be warned in Wolverhampton to do not serve Sam Womack <laughs> vodka. I'm on the war path. Yeah, it could, could be dangerous, <laughs> but it could be bad, that one. But there we go. So uh, what what else is there about this tour that is really standing out for you? Because it, it, it must be a great one telling this story. Yeah, so I've never done a play before where I've never left the stage. So that's quite interesting for me. I mean, it feels like a kind of Hamlet, you know, it's this kind yeah. of beautifully constructed massive scenes with these you know brilliant cast there's a, a really strong cast and just some really really great actors and we're all getting along brilliantly and i think it's you know they're all great parts 
they're strong um, characters, all of them, and and they all become really interesting. And and none of them are kind of goodies or baddies. They're all broken in their own way. And so, um, yes, it's a real it's a real interesting piece because a lot of the theatres that we're going to are the big theatres that also have musicals. And I wasn't sure whether, you know, I've done like South Pacific and Guys and Dolls and Adam's Family and some of these theatres. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if a thriller's going to, you know, hold the audience because, you know, they're big spaces, some of them. And you could hear a pin drop half the time, you know, okay. towards the end when it gets it gets quite violent towards the end. And um, you just, everyone is just absolutely paralysed. It's brilliant. We love watching, we love watching the audience's reaction at the end. It's really good. And as you're on stage the whole time, I mean, you do get to see them go through all the emotions that your character's helping to display. Yeah, it's just, act one is easier for me. She's kind of lighter and, and more fun. And then I have a kind of 15-minute break. But act two is, is pretty heavy going. I mean, she, she just kind of um, loses her mind, really, and uh, has to go to a very dark place. And so that's fine once. But when you're doing it like yesterday, I did did it twice and I hadn't had much sleep the night before so I went home and I was absolutely shattered but it's just such a thrilling piece even when you're tired you know within two scenes of doing it I'm kind of hooked all over again it's just (laughs) I just think the actors are so strong in it you know we're just really lucky to have such a good bunch of actors really and I think your daughter's been spending some time on the road with you on this tour as well so uh, what has she made of the performance Oh, she loves it. So Lily's 13 and uh, my, my son's 18 and he's um, he's at home. He doesn't want to tour with me anymore. He used to <laughs> when he was little. But Lily, I homeschool Lily. She does um, she does a lot of her education online. She does an online um, classroom in the mornings and then um, pretty much travels with me then, which means we get to see different places and do different things. And she's she's amazing and she's, she just loves the whole part of being involved. She's been involved in the theatre since she was little. I mean, her first memories were coming with me to do Guys and Dolls in um, the West End with Patrick Swayze and he used to pick her up and dance with her on his shoulders and say nobody put nobody puts Lily in a corner <laughs> and she didn't realise at the time how special that was but she's had some amazing memories you know and sitting with orchestras listening to music and musical scores playing from and Adam's family she loved and this play she absolutely loved she knows it inside out Well, we get to see how much we love it when it arrives at the Grand Theatre, 18th through the 23rd of March, The Girl on the Train, with Rachel Watson, played by the one and only Sam Womack. Thank you for joining us, and we very much look forward to seeing you on stage at the Grand. Thanks so much. In a moment's just time, we'll have a chat with Paul and Karen, Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer. Before we do, let's take a listen to one of the tunes from their album, The Whole Charade. This is My House. Have you seen my house? It says alright now It's where I feel safe It's where I live now And if I lived before Then I don't know how Have you seen my house? It's where I live now Where the winds blow loud I push through the streets And the city crowds I've had cats on the wall Bats in the hall But nothing compares to now Have you seen my house? It says all That's where I live now 
Have you seen his heart? It says all right now. It's where I feel safe. It's where I live now. And if I lived before, then I don't know how. Have you seen his heart? That's where I live now. Have you seen his heart? On Saturday the 16th of March, Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer, an Anglo-German duo, appear in the Met studio at the Stafford Gatehouse Theatre and they join me now on the line to tell me more. Hello. Hello. Hi, Jason. Tell us a bit about the event then. We played um, the Gatehouse in October 2017 and this is a return show really. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a sellout then which we were really excited about and we're keeping our fingers crossed that it'll be the same again this time so that's the origin of the show that's why we're back there mm-hmm. i might tell you a little bit about what we're doing <laughs> yes we are um a duo called paul walker and karen pfeiffer well we play new folk uh, as some some people call it nowadays single songwriter uh, so a little bit of traditional folk as well and our own songs obviously and hope we entertain the masses in a very nice and likeable way. And we have fun. <laughs> well, and you're also based in Staffordshire as well, so this is a nice local gig for you. It is, yes, it is. Although well, it's very nice to, to, to go uh, to have a, a nice local show as well. Um, we usually would just come back from Winchester from a little tour in the south. And, mm-hmm. of course, we go all over the country. We've got tours of, in, in Scotland and we play a lot of festivals in the summer. The Wirral Folk Festival, Saltburn, Moira, Cleckheaton, Chippenham, and so on and so on. In a week just after the Gatehouse, we shoot off to our tour of New Zealand and Australia. So, yeah, we're... A lot around, and uh, it's lovely to be in the gatehouse and stuff. <laughs> well, so it should be a fantastic gig. Saturday the 16th of March, 8 o'clock. Tickets are £10.50. There aren't any concessions, uh, but this is actually in the Met studio as well, so it gives it a nice, intimate feel too. That's right, yes. Really looking forward. <laughs> and uh, do you each have a favourite song that you'll be performing on the night? Ooh, they're all our favourites. <laughs> um, but I think probably one of our favourites is uh, it's a title track of our latest CD, The Whole Charade. How long has that CD been in the offing? Have you been working on that one for a while? The CD is out about a year. Mm-hmm. Has had really, really nice uh, reviews uh, from radios and uh, music magazines, and has had some airplay all, well, all around the country and also in uh, in the US. Oh, so where can people find out more about you, your music, and get the CDs in advance of the concert? If you want to have more information about ourselves, it's www paulwalkermusic.co.uk or if you can't remember that just put Paul and Karen into Google and our website comes up top Absolutely brilliant Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer thank you for joining us staffordgatehousetheatre.co.uk is the website that's staffordgatehousetheatre.co.uk or you can give the box office a call on 01785 619080 that's 01785 619080 and get your tickets for what promises to be a fantastic evening of music from folk and beyond. But thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Jason, and we'll hopefully see you on Saturday as well. When I was young, a long time gone now, I took the road from Cork to Kerry. Now I've been traveling 30 days or more I can't recall But she was standing by the shelter And in her eyes the light of morning I asked where I'd find a bed Or some place I could rest now here I go, bear my soul uncover the whole charade I turned out to be. I'd forget all I know. I would fight in that grovel if she'd come back to me. 
Stay a while and I will feed you Time had passed and love came quickly A love like never before Now here I go Bear my soul uncover The whole charade I turned out to be I'd forget all I know I would fight in that grovel If she'd come back to me her much, but I left her many, those rolling hills they'd call out for me. Once I returned and the rooms were dark and her chair was empty and cold and she cried. All the days that I worried, all the nights that I trembled with cold. To love, but so hard to hold. Now here I go, bear my soul uncover the whole charade I turned out to be. I'd forget all I know. I would fight in that grovel if she come back to me. If she. and Karen Pfeiffer at the whole charade. Don't forget you can catch them at the Met Studio at the Stafford Gatehouse this weekend. On the 19th of April, Mitch Fest takes place at the Briley Hill Civic in memory of Mitch Bastable. To tell us more about the event, I'm joined now by Beth Berricklow and Carl Cook. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, good here. And you guys have got a lot of work you've been doing in memory of an absolutely fantastic fellow. Mitch was a great bloke, uh, my best friend and Beth's partner. Uh, he passed away sadly last year very suddenly and he was uh, the front man of a, of a band called Got The T-Shirt which I was also a part of. Uh-huh. Um, on top of that he did a lot of local uh, amateur operatics and so we thought what's the best way to honour him and that is to do a musical evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a number of people involved, there's over 70 people involved on stage which is just bonkers isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got local Amateur Operatic Society, we've got Stourbridge, Brawley Hill, Carpet Trades, Carpet Trades, The Tab, Starstruck. Starstruck. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else? Oh, have I forgotten any? <laughs> Don't leave anyone out. <laughs> and everybody Pressure. else is coming along uh, as well. Pressure. Yeah. Um, as well as over 20 people coming on stage to sing with the band. So mm-hmm. the format that we're doing is we're going to have uh, the musical theatre companies are going to do their own tributes to him. Also TFTR, I've got to say TFTR because I'm a part of TFTR. So right, okay. I, yeah, I've left my friends out, which isn't very good. So over um, the years, he was in a lot. He of was shows. in a lot yeah. of shows. But well, I saw him in loads of shows. Yeah. I saw you together yeah. in, in, in yeah. loads of different productions as well. And obviously, I, I, I knew Mitch for what, probably about three, four years just to see him on stage and the presence that he had. And we were talking just before we started. Mm. I mean, this is really the sort of thing that he would be proud of taking oh, place. Because he, he did like to be the centre of attention. He did. Absolutely. <laughs> and everyone yeah. knows it. <laughs> he was the quintessential frontman, so yeah. that's that's why uh, he did so well with us in the band, um, yeah. and that's why he was always a leading man on stage. Uh, he every company that that he he's done something with are actually performing one of the songs that he he from the shows that he did yeah. with them, which is a lovely tribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to happen at various points in the evening, and then all friends and fam and family and. Uh, 
singers from actually all over the country who knew Mitch uh, are going to sing instead of Mitch in the band. Right. So what's happening is uh, they sing a couple of songs, go off, and, and another person comes up and sings. It's going to take songs. more than one person to cover for him. To be fair, that is what yeah, we're saying. Here, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is. There was only one Mitchell, but. Uh, uh, Lots of people are going to do their own tributes uh, for him, so that's great. Yeah. So it's not going to be an easy night for anybody involved no, because no. of how how well thought of he was. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be a fun night either, does no, it? That's no, the, no. the other important and bit. That's what we want—a celebration, really, because he was such a positive person. We want to bring everybody together, all of his friends, all of his family, and mm. everyone that knew him, just to celebrate his life one mm. more time. Because mm. he'll never be forgotten, will he? No, he won't. Not. He won't. He um, wouldn't let us forget him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how is the, the funds from this going to charity? What work are they going to do? Absolutely, Beth. So the funds are going to the Stroke Association, mm. great charity. Um, Mitch died of a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is a rare form of stroke, and mm. this charity are doing a lot of research into that. So they were the perfect choice, they and were. they've been very supportive. So, mm. so the important thing then get tickets. How do people do that? You can go uh, online to ct.co.uk forward slash Mitchfest M I T C H F E S T Mitchfest, um, and tickets are available there. Also, you can call me on zero seven eight one seven two nine zero seven three six. Give us the number again. 07817290736. Oh, Beth and Carl, thank you both for coming thank in. You. Thank you. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic event, we know that. But uh, do get yourself along and you know, share the memories uh, of, of Mitch. And it won't be the last time, but for, for, you know, for in, a, in a massive way with a load of people who loved him. Thank you. Time for the song from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer. Now, this is The Fox. You come on to me with a smile that is sweet and a goal. That you're out to fulfill But I know all about you And the way that you work Like a fox with a taste for the kill And if you can get Just a sniff of your prey Just an inkling You'll realise the thrill if you think there's a chance You could squeeze through the wire If you can, then you probably will But don't think you'll be doing that to me I'm not such a fool as you think I could end it right now And it would all be forgotten just go, leave your cup in the sink There's a tale going round Of a love that you found With a good but a vulnerable heart And when he thought it was right You just turned out the light And left him for dead and the dark But don't think you'll be Doing that to me You'll be biting off more than you can chew Cause if you think I'm the same As the others you've claimed There's a big surprise coming to you I can't see how you're looking at me You feel undetected for now But the glow from the heart Shows the shape of your hand And that now famous curl of your mouth So don't think you'll be doing that to me You mistake me for somebody else Cause there's things you don't know That I'm not about to tell you That I'm saving for someone who cares No, don't think you'll be doing that 
to me You'll be way down the road for it hits Guess I'll miss your caress The way you undress And okay, I loved you a bit Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer doing fab things. Another track taken from the album The Whole Charade. That is The Fox. Snarl is currently in production. I'm joined now by the director, LJ. We have one of the cast, Troy, and director of photography, Will. Hello, all. Hello. Hello. All right, start over here, then. You've got the hat on. So, uh, obviously, uh, is this part of the directing role to, to look important? Uh, okay, that's, that's yeah. a yes. <laughs> that, that's a yes. So, t- tell us a bit about Snarl itself. Okay, so... Um, oh. I'm trying not to spoil it. Um, well, there's werewolves, I know that bit. There is possibly a werewolf. Okay, there's a rumour um, of a werewolf. Okay, right, so what else can we know or can't we know? It's a film. Okay, it's so a short film. Yeah. It's got stuff happening in it. There is a cast. Some of it happens at night. Most of it happens at night. <laughs> it's horribly bloody and gory. People mm. die. Yeah. And you get to tell them all where to, where to stand during this. Yes, yes, and how to, <laughs> how to emote and uh, basically to bring these characters to life. Um, it's it's really a, a fable mm-hmm. set in the genre of, um, of werewolves and horror. Yeah. Um, but is this somewhere that you, you, in, you enjoy experiencing? Is this, is this a, a little pet favourite of yours? Definitely so. <laughs> um, I mean... Uh, I've always loved uh, werewolf films, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, there's there's a big swing between very good and very bad. Um, but sometimes the very bad ones are still very good because of how bad they are. They can they can <laughs> be fun at least. Um, <laughs> but I'm also uh, massively inspired by um, the the fairy tale um, or. Fables for Grown Ups mm-hmm. that uh, Guillermo del Toro has been making. And it was actually uh, when we watched one of his most recent films, um, I, I began speaking to Dave, mm-hmm. our main producer yeah. and scriptwriter, um, about um, making a film together. And um, it was just, we've got to do a fable. Uh, what genre would we like to do? It was going to be, and it was yeah. werewolves. It was, it, was, it was pretty much a given by that point, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've got all this being set up, but this means there's probably quite a big amount of special effects to go in here. The, the it's it's pretty much a vehicle for some <laughs> amazing special effects. Okay. So that that's a good sign. But I mean, Troy, as an actor in this, and I know you direct as well. So how is this going to be a, a challenge for you working with potentially something that's not even there? Oh, it's there, all right. <laughs> We've got full-on practical effects in this. Yeah? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're not messing about. It's actually none of your CG stuff. Yeah. This is a very, very real, very, very practical, very big, very hairy... Although I can't say we've got a werewolf in it. We've got a werewolf in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting and terrifying and really, really cool, especially because werewolves terrify me, although I do adore werewolf movies. Okay, so this could be a bit of a test for, for your gumption yeah. when you're on set with a creature that's big and hairy. Oh, yeah, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we like a good challenge. And when you're filming something at night, that must be the nightmare for the director of photography to try and get things visible whilst also making sure that uh, you're not over-lighting something. So uh, how much of a challenge have you got, Will? Well, that's what we're sort of going through at the moment. It's do we say, let's do it at night, let's get a big generator out there and big lights, or do we say, let's... See if we can do it in the daytime and control it that way. Because mm-hmm. where we're planning on shooting, it is in the middle of nowhere. And then with the generator, you get noise and things like that, so your sound's not as good. Um, so we're still looking at that, how we're exactly going to do it, and we're looking at doing a test shoot next week, in fact, mm-hmm. to see if what we want to do is actually going to work. So you're all quite at early stages on this one, but it's, this is all starting to develop and, and come together. And is, is it all fully cast now? Yes. Yeah. yes, it is. Yeah, um, it's it's a very reduced cast, mm-hmm. um, but amazing cast. Yeah, we have Jay Podmore who is joining us again. He was one of our principal villains on Sustain. We've got Charlie Clark who 
is an award-winning actress in her own right. Um, we've worked on a, on a couple of films there, How's the Screaming Death and You Are My Sunshine. And we are being joined by Jack Knight, again from You Are My Sunshine, who is another phenomenal actor. And then for some bizarre reason, they went and cast me. Yeah. No clue why. <laughs> Not a clue. Hey, could be the beard. You don't turn into a werewolf. I've grown the beard for this. Okay. I've been right. growing this since Christmas. <laughs> I am dying to shave it off. Spectacular face furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and, and what's it like trying to light this beard? I mean, uh, getting that no. on film. I mean, it's not so much the beard, more of the sheen off his head that we have trouble with. Yeah, really careful is. there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with Troy on that one. There's no problem with, with, with head shine. That's fine. It's, can, it's a thing. Just a bit of power. We can always... We can always go hateful eight and use the beard as a bounce board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, f- f- Wilfie, uh, have you worked on anything like this sort of genre before? Uh, little bits and pieces as a student, um, but the good thing is it means I've got to watch loads of horror films and like <laughs> werewolf films and and see like well, how did they do that and then try and work out if we can steal as much as possible <laughs> and how to make it work. And is there anything that you're slightly daunted by in your role? Not really. Um, I say I steal from the best as much as, I, <laughs> as much as I can, and then it's sort of the script and the director come to me with lots of, I wouldn't say problems, but challenges, and then it's my job to solve them, which is which is what I do. So, yeah. and what are you filming on for this sort of thing? Because we're in a world of 4K and beyond now. So, are you on uh, a massive uh, depth of pixels for all this? Is it going to look amazing with the with that sort of photography? Yeah, I pretty much shoot everything 4K if I can, because yeah. why not? I've got a camera that can do it. We yeah. may as well. 4K, raw, huge file sizes, absolute nightmare to deal with. Yeah. But that's up to me, and that's what I want to do. So. so you just give them a nightmare in editing to make sure yeah. they've got enough disk space to cover all of this? I can hand over the footage, and then it's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> raw is a wonderful thing. And Snarl is going to be a great film by the sound of things. So uh, how far away are we, are we looking for, uh, for the actual release? Because if production is going to take probably the best part of 2019. Actually, we're we're looking we're shooting Easter time with yeah. this bad boy. So, yeah, mostly, pretty much all of the shoot will be in the can uh, by April, mm-hmm. by the end of April, sorry, and then then it's down to post production, which could take some time. Could <laughs> take some time. And, and sound and music is going to be an interesting one to to bring the atmosphere to this place too. I'm sure. It is. We've already got people interested in doing the sound and music for this so there's a list a waiting list as soon as people find out it's werewolves they're like can i do something yeah yeah they want to be there right sounds like it's gonna be absolutely fantastic where can we go to find out more about the film itself at snarl the movie on facebook so check it all out and will there be some sneaky production shots in there as well at some point i hope there will be we have to be very careful with the spoilers okay I'll definitely be sharing stuff on Instagram as we're sharing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you get for being DOP. That's the way it works. You do what you feel like. And then we find that some of the practical effects are actually quite real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't be sharing spoilers. But. Okay, that's, that'll be good. So look out for Snarl. Snarl the movie on Facebook is what you're looking for. But thanks, guys, and have a, a great film. Do we say break a leg to, to, to movie go, in a movie? I don't know. Is, is break there a, a leg, tear out a throat, eviscerate somebody, disembowel them, rip out their heart, gouge yeah. out their eyes. That all works oh, yeah. for us. Yeah, that, that's just something aware might get up to if there were definitely one in the film but we can't say but again no spoilers no none at all thanks again <laughs> thank you thank you time for another song now by paul walker and karen pfeiffer this is life of plenty Satisfaction 
To a life of milk and honey It's almost funny Life of Plenty, another self-pen tune from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer here on The Milk Bar. Three lads of a group who are doing a walk for charity have joined me now to let me know exactly what they're up to. We have Terry, Adam and Chris. Hello. Hello. Uh, Right, let's start this end. So, uh, Chris, first of all, tell us a a bit about the charity you're raising funds for. The charity is called Ava's Angels. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're doing is we're walking from Molyneux to Anfield for the last game of the season. So you, you basically want to go and see a match. Not quite, (laughs) and I'll tell you a little bit more about the charity, but basically why we're walking from Molyneux to Anfield is because the parents of the little girl that um, kind of of succumbed to um, um, uh, the illness for the charity, her parents, one's a Wolves fan, one's a Liverpool fan. Okay, so that makes sense. So that's why we're doing it, obviously, the walk to Liverpool. A sad story in the background, but but all in good spirits, and you're going to be having fun along the way? Well, hopefully. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Mm We're already in training for it. Essentially, it's 90 miles, and we're going up the Shropshire Union Canal. Mm-hmm. So a scenic um, route. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's flat, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit easier. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're basically doing it over three days, um, 30 miles a day. So, essentially, it's a, it's a marathon every that's, day for, that's not for bad three going. days. Okay, so uh, if you ever, what's the preparation being like for this one, then? Yeah, so we've... Uh, we're average lads, really, so that, that's been the difficulty. You know, I haven't been to the gym in, in, in 20 years. <laughs> uh, so we started off uh, with, with a, a 10, no, 15-mile walk, which, which crippled us, to be honest. It really did. And I think people would underestimate walking, because even before I know, I thought it'd be easy. Um, yesterday, we did our first 30-mile walk, uh, and I literally couldn't walk after it. it was, I was absolutely done for. Um, and then we're just picking it up and, and doing more and more over the weeks. So you've got a little while before it all takes place. What's the date of the event? It's the well, we're starting the walk on the 9th of May, mm-hmm. um, and that's a Thursday. So we're walking on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we arrive in Liverpool on the Saturday evening, mm-hmm. and the, the games on the Sunday. So tell us a bit more about the charity itself, then. Yeah, well, well it's either a perfectly happy, healthy three-year-old. A lovely little girl, and uh, on all the other parents, and on the way back, the phone had picked up a form of Epstein Barr virus. It's, uh, the, the one that she had, she affected the brain, it's uh, encephalitis. Yeah. And uh, so, unfortunately, there's no, no treatment, no cure for that. So, after a while in hospital, like, big fight in hospital, like, and um, unfortunately, she passed away 
Yeah, so I mean, this, this is sadly the serious side of, of, of all of this. So she, she lost her life, but the family aren't going to let that be in vain. <laughs> they are now working towards helping others who've got sick children. And what sort of work does the charity do? It helps provide financial support and like, mental support for if you've got a, long, a child in long stay hospital for the families. So, like, so anything from maybe need a taxi, phoning, just get them to the hospital from home, like toiletries, just going to be staying there overnight. All the sorts of things that they experience, yeah, yeah. they know what help is needed, so they're doing their bit now to give something back in Ava's memory. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, I think, them bravest people, Phil and Ellen, like, they're probably the bravest, strongest people I know. The, mm-hmm. the fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, still still going through, and to think of others while setting this charity up is Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Huh? I'm sure that helps give them some sort of strength in a terrible situation. That's the difficult part that people don't see. Um, when, when children are ill is, is the impact that it has on the, on the family mm-hmm. and, and you know when, when you're trying to hold down a job and full time employment it's that sort of uh, support that they're, they're looking to provide in, in trying to help out with it as much as they can mm-hmm. So how many of you are going on this walk then? It's five of us mm-hmm. we've kind of we've got three different stops as I said Yeah. Um, so it's, as I said it's all along the canal the first stop's Market Drayton and then Chester and then we arrive Liverpool, the five of us on, on the third day. So, a bit of a challenge, lots more prep to do, yep. but people can sponsor you. That's how they can help to make sure this all worthwhile. Absolutely, yeah. What do they do? Um, well, there's a website, um, so you can visit Ava. So, it's, um, I've got a few little contacts he's got, he's here. Got notes, which is good. Like so, notes. the website's avas angels.com. He's not noticed the fact he's written on his t shirt and you could have read it on one of the other lads. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but you can you can also contact us by emailing team at avas angels.com. Um, to donate quickly, you can send a text message to all for Ava, which is a cap, all in capitals, A double L for the number four, A V A. And if you send a text message to 785 that's to donate 10 pound or to donate 20 pound it'll just be a text message again to the same number 785 and that'll be all for ava 20. so great ways to get some cash in in there do it in the name of you boys who are heading to uh, anfield of uh, not it should be glorious weather in may it's not going to rain on you is it hopefully i mean the training that um that we did yesterday Um, well, it wasn't the best weather this weekend, was it? No, it's horrendous conditions. <laughs> so it's prepared you for it, which is what counts. But have a great time. Do your bit for the charity. And obviously pass on regards to the family. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they must be really proud of what you lads are doing. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeez, thank you. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank, you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Time for another tune from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer. This is Play Me A Love Song. face that I knew I remember a summer 
Love song with more from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer very, very soon. The Haven in Wolverhampton is receiving some much needed funds from the former workers of Goodyear from one of their funds. To tell us more, I've got Laura Blackham, the fundraising lead down here at the Haven, and we've got the one and only Cyril Barrett from the a former Goodyear worker and all to do with the union. Cyril, tell us all about that. We've got a, um, a sick pay fund that used to be. Um, is now um, turned into a charity fund Mm -hmm. and we've been doing projects uh, since Goodyear sadly closed supporting local registered charities and when we received the request going back 18 months, two years ago from Laura uh, we investigated it and uh, it fits the remit the trustees and the management committee have got to work to and this is the third project that we are about to uh, do uh, with the Haven Charity. Yeah, so I mean, it's you've been doing lots of work uh, across the area through Compton Care and, and various other different pots of money that have been handed out. And this is a, it, it's a, the legacy of all those people who worked for so many years at the heart of the community in the city. It's uh, purely and utterly the workers. Not one single penny has come from Goodyear's or the trade union. It is all shop floor people local people reaching out and supporting uh, the most needed and the most vulnerable in our society. So I'm particularly pleased because genuinely this is a very, very good charity. And I heard about it before, but I didn't really know a great deal about it. But once you get to understand more about what they actually do, you understand why it doesn't get the level of publicity because they are privately helping and supporting women and children, the most vulnerable in our society. So we are particularly pleased to be doing, as I said, our third project with them. Yeah, and uh, obviously there's a lot of work that's done down here. Um, we've seen various things that have uh, taken funding in the past, but where is this current batch uh, of money to go to? What specific work is this doing? Um, so, like Cyril said, we've done three separate projects and it all started out with our small household items replacement. So, mm. um, we do have quite a high turnover of women and children in our refuges every year. So, as you can imagine, things get broken and things get worn. So, we have to replace things on quite a regular basis. Uh-huh. Um, and they were kind enough to come in and give us enough money 
to replace all the small household items across all six refuges. And so it was like crockery and cutlery and bedding and uh, all those kind of fundamentals that kind of helped to make it a little bit more homely in the refuges. And then um, the second project was uh, replacing all the showers in one of our refuges and the one that we're about to start is replacing an entire roof on one of our biggest refuges as well. So that, I mean that is a, a major undertaking in yeah. itself and it's the sort of thing that keeps these sites open for those who need them when they need them. Exactly and it, it sounds like such a, a small thing in a lot of ways to so say it helps just to carry on what you're doing already but that's so fundamental if if the roof sort of stops working or you know you've got leaks you can't house women or children in that space it's no longer a safe space an entire refuge has to close down and that means turning women away and when we're already at a 99% occupancy rate and already having to turn people away because we don't have capacity within the refuges that's just not something that we can afford to do absolutely not and so I know you guys are proud to be doing this and it is so it's, it's part of that ethos and who knows where the, the next set of projects could, could lead you but how much of the, the fund is actually left to, to keep working with I've never disclosed <laughs> nor the trustees you give me a percentage <laughs> we've, we've still got about 40% of the money to be allocated um, we've had over 140 different requests we've done approximately 75 projects um, some of the requests that we've had are um, don't re don't meet the remit the trustees and, and management committee have got to work to but we are determined as trustees and management committee members is that when we finished we will have left a proud living legacy to every single person that has been a member of the fund since 1985. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier on, every single penny has come from shop floor people. We want to reach out and help the most vulnerable in our society within our own community of Wolverhampton and the black country. And when we've done the projects with the Haven, um, without embarrassing uh, Laura in any way, She's a very, very open and transparent, honest girl. And that comes across because we as trustees have got to uh, satisfy ourselves that we're spending money in the right quarters. We're not misusing money in any way. And we're doing uh, the right thing in creating the legacy. The Haven and Laura in particular uh, has come across very, very positive and reassured us to the extent of we started with one project, we've now started to do a third project. Mm -hmm. So that's down to Laura and her personal credibility. Well, out of the terrible situation that saw Goodyear closing and the work moving elsewhere, and all those people who had yeah, worked so hard and very much in, in, in several generations uh, in, in many cases working within the industry, you know, it's nice to see so much good coming of this. Uh, left over cash effectively from the uh, the funds that you had so uh, if people do want to find out more is there a website or Facebook page they can go to? We've we've run articles through Heather Large at the Express and Star mm -hmm. she's passed on the information that's how Laura uh, contacted me so through Heather Large and the Express and Star um, but can I take this opportunity which is very important to us as trustees is the people who were members of the union and members of the fund were good, hard-working, decent people, community-spirited people. And I hope is that they and the families will feel as proud as we do right, in the legacy that has been created right, in their name. Mm -hmm. Thank you to each and every one of them. Absolutely, and to say that is from across the city, across the region, people who were working, as you say, at sites which were iconic within the uh, the area and are now sadly uh, in the main part gone. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's good to see the, this great work coming out of it. And, uh, Laura, uh, obviously, if people do need the help of the Haven, they can get in touch. 
Yeah, we have a, a helpline. It's 24 hours, seven day a week. Um, it's 08000 And we've also got a live chat facility on our website. So if people don't want to get in touch um, via phone, feel more confident on, on that kind of medium that's available. And people can contact us anonymously as well for um, for just anonymous advice if they don't want to disclose any information. That's that's possible too. And you have the website if people do want to find out more about all the events you've got support in the place? We do, yeah. Uh, support us section on the website. We've always got events going on. We've just had a Peaky Blinders Ball. We've got a Curry Night coming up. So, yeah, always plenty of activity there. Let's take the web address again. Uh, www.havenrefuge.org.uk. Do that one. And a few final words? The three projects that we've done, we've spent just over Mm -hmm. £31,000. That is a clear indication of our confidence in the charity itself. But more importantly, the work that they're doing to help women and children. And you can't imagine... From our point of view is, is, is that we feel positive right, about the work that they do there, but for the grace of God, go on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Laura, obviously, great work being done at the Haven, and uh, we, yeah, we, we've got your title. Oh, we have to ask uh, Cyril for his full title, because this is quite a good one. Give, give, us, give us your full title that you are these days. <laughs> Cyril Barrett. Yeah. I'm chairman of the Five Stroke 344 Transport and General Workers Union, Benevolent Fund Charity, ex-Goodyear Workers. See, I, I couldn't have actually managed that on my own, but that's the important <laughs> But Those are the guys who are doing the great work and funding this down here at the Haven. You can get involved too, as we already said, if you want to uh, get involved and, and raise some funds too. But uh, thank you both for having a chat with us and keep up the good work, both of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Time for a final tune from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer. This is Lift This Weight. Could have been a million years ago When you look at what is left When pots and cracks, coal and steel Were words that made us best Walk by any London street Or amongst the crumbling kilns And listen for the voices Cause I swear they echo still Hey Jack, won't you lift this weight with me, my friend? Hey Jack, won't you lift this weight with me? Thanks Jack, it was breaking my back till you lift this weight with me. And now you've made it all so easy. People stood together, no care for who had what. Potters, miners, Shelton bar lads, they worked for what they got. But as a boy, they'd scare me with their blackened eyes and hands. How quickly would we join the queue to do that work again? Jack, won't you lift this weight with me, my friend? Hey, Jack, won't you lift this weight with me? Thanks, Jack, it was breaking my back till you lift this weight with me. Now you've made it all so easy. Stoke and Trent's a funny place Don't have no redwood pines Just loads of dirty faces Walking from the dirty mines But was it all a better place Were those our cherished times I think maybe I'd go back now If just to hear those lines Hey Jack, won't you lift this weight with me, my friend? Hey Jack, won't you lift this 
Lift This Weight from Paul Walker and Karen Pfeiffer. Youngdriver.eu have done some research which is showing we're at risk of seeing a generation unable to afford the freedom and independence that driving allows. To tell us more about the survey, I'm joined now by motoring expert and TV presenter Quinton Wilson. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Now, uh, in uh, in your day and mine, when we were young, getting on the road, our parents were often able to help out because you'd be a named driver on a policy. These days, it is a much more sensible way of making sure people are the main policyholder for real, but it's getting really expensive for the youngsters out there to get on the road, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, the average cost is about 2,000 quid, Jason, but lots of people will be paying more than that. Depending on your postcode, it'll be about like three or four grand to insure a 500-pound car. So I'm saying, look, we need to, to, to stop uh, disabling an entire generation because if we're not careful, they won't become drivers because it's too expensive. Therefore, they won't be buying our cars and you'll be frustrating all their dreams and their hopes and their ambitions. So the government needs to lower the insurance purchase tax. That's currently 12% of, of every insurance premium. We shouldn't be taxing kids to, to get insured and be legal. And also, I want to see more of this Young Driver Initiative where we teach kids before they start taking their, their driving lessons and at 14, 15, 16, when they're better able to absorb road safety messages. Yeah, because it is a difficult thing to do when you go out there. It can be a bit daunting. I know I actually ended up with having 87 lessons to get through my test. However, um, I've seen things as well, Bear, by uh, I witnessed a car accident a couple of years ago and the uh, the lad driving the car would have been about 18, 19. He actually said to me it was costing £2,500 a year just to insure the car and then this person who drove into him tried to make out it wasn't his fault purely because it was a young driver and they would probably blame him anyway. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem fair, not only the way it's stacked up against financially and the way some other drivers on the roads will treat the younger driver out there too. Well, that's true. And, and, and Young Driver is just such a clever initiative because it, it, it trains kids to do all the below the dashboard stuff on private land before they start taking lessons on a public road. And that gets them this discount with iCube insurance, uh, with all the te- telematics technology, and gets it from £22 a week, Jason, for insurance. Now, that really is almost half price, but it also makes them safer drivers. And Young Driver has got these um, 60 sites across the UK. In fact, their headquarters are quite close to you in uh, uh, Solihull, I think. Uh-huh. And they've done 600,000 lessons. And it's, uh, I think it's a road safety revolution. And we should be helping these kids get on the road get properly insured and get properly trained. And I think it's of definite interest as well, because I know when I first sat down, my first driving lesson was completely taken up with talking a bit about the highway code and working out which pedal did which. And if they can get some sort of training before then and the enjoyment of of, of driving off-road, then it'll give them a a good start and they're they're going to learn to drive faster as well. Uh, It does work. And and the Swedish government did a study and they had two groups of, of kids, one who had been trained before... They'd, they'd had lessons and they'd been trained on private land and the other one who were, were trained on the normal way. And the accident rate between those two groups was 41% less. So uh, the evidence is there that this makes makes them safer drivers. And if you're trying to teach a 17-year-old about road safety, they're not listening because of Top Gear and Grand Theft Auto and mm-hmm. Call of Duty. But if you teach a 14-year-old, they are all ears and you will embed those road safety lessons in them for life because they're listening. And it's the interesting side of the telematics box as well, things that we have these days that can actually monitor how they're driving and show they are actually a safe driver after all. And this is great because as well as that, uh, Jason, you've got um, a a thing where if you've got a problem, you you pass your test, you've got your insurance, and you're perhaps bad at roundabouts or dual carriageways or you've got a speeding issue, this will be flagged up on the the iPhone, um, uh, on on the app, 
And then um, Young Driver and iCube will say, look, we can have a drive doctor come and give you your own one-to-one personal lesson on this, this, this difficult area for you. So that's another initiative. It's thinking out the box. And I, I think all this is, is, is really important. Otherwise, we will not have kids driving in the future. And, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad thing. It's a shame for them. And in particular, uh, they may not be able to live close to work because they're probably still living with their parents at this point. And to help them get on the ladder, they want to be able to get around cheaply and efficiently. So, you know, this lower cost insurance and the fact that uh, they can actually get where they need to go in at an appropriate time is an absolute bonus to them. Well, it's more than that. It's about jobs. It's about college. It's about university. It's about job interviews. And doing all that on public transport is really, really difficult. Um, And you need a a driving license to be successful in life. I'm sorry. And this big modal shift to public transport that we're supposed to be doing on, that's that's a a trillion pounds away. Um, uh, If we all went on public transport tomorrow, the thing would break in, in four minutes. So I'm saying, look, they need to drive. This generation needs to be successful, needs that level of mobility and freedom that you and I have, um, why are we denying it to them? Where can we go to find out more about this and get them uh, sort of the experience they need to get ready to drive? So it's very simple. Just put Young Driver into any search engine or go to their website, which is youngdriver.eu, and you'll see it all in Vauxhall or even doing a deal where they'll do uh, a brand new Vauxhall Corsa plus fully comprehensive insurance for £270 a month, which is probably less than the cost of insuring an old banger. So it's it's really worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, yeah, the type of car they're driving is making a difference because if, if they don't seem to care about the car, then actually the insurance premiums do go up, don't they? Absolutely. And the cars are safer than modern ones with the airbags and the collision avoidance systems and the active and passive safety. And you'll pay, pay more insuring an old car because it's less safe than you will a modern car. It uh, all sounds like it adds up to an absolutely fantastic deal. So for now, motoring expert and TV presenter Quinton Wilson, thank you for joining us and happy motoring. Pleasure, Jason. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 508 next week. I'll see you then. So for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.